the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in, Rob Black and your Doleros. There's a lot of factors out there on everything when it comes to investing. And I don't think you should just take a very limited, quick opinion from a radio show or TV show and run with it. Should you buy or rent a home? It's, you know, There's a lot of factors there, right? It'll depend on your individual circumstances. One of the reasons I don't give any tax advice is it's so specific to your taxes. Your taxes are so specific to circumstances and you can get write-offs that I don't know about that you didn't have the idea to tell me. So even if I were to sit down with you, I still kind of need to massage things to figure out would that be right for you or wrong for you. I own a home. I have a rental home. I've got an office that I own. I'm not against real estate. But at the same time, I've got significant wealth that can like manage that cash flow. Um, that does not exclude you know, the possibility that I could make a financial mistake, because you can. And as an asset, a home has some very attractive characteristics over time. It's not an asset in the short term, it's a liability. Unless you pay cash, then it becomes an asset, right? Because it's a liability because if you somehow miss that payment, should you buy a rent, you know, brings on some new color. It's the only asset purchase you'll ever make in which, you know, there's a significant amount of leverage um, is in play. You can do the same thing with stocks, but most people don't. I don't want you to buy calls and puts, and I don't want you to like leverage with margin. I don't want you to do it. You could, but I don't want you to do it. Um, the significant amount of leverage in stocks I don't recommend because I don't think you're going to be good at the short term of picking stocks. 
the significant amount of leverage with a home, I do recommend because then the bank is taking some of the risk. Let's say you put 20% down on a house and the next day um, there's an earthquake and it gets knocked over. Maybe you go bankrupt and walk away. I'm not going to say no harm, no foul. I'm saying that like that significant amount of leverage uh, it doesn't necessarily kill you. A huge benefit of a home mortgage is the tax deductibility of interest payments. Um, it's an enormous subsidy, an enormous. And I don't get why we have it in the United States. I'm just being honest. Um, I know that pisses off a lot of people, but why do renters not get a tax deduction? The owner does, but not renters. I don't like that. For men and women who are single and who are looking for a spouse, life partner, owning home on a home sends a message. It tells your potential mate that, you know, something reassuring is going on. I'm settled. I'm responsible enough to carry a mortgage. Like, to me, I think, do you own a home or rent is one of the first questions you ask a potential spouse. And it, it tells you a lot. I'm not sure if you're with me or against me. Um, if you're looking for a spouse to settle down and make babies with, owning a home is attractive. Now, if you're looking to enjoy your 20s and 30s and travel the world, renting is attractive, especially if it's going to be a lot cheaper than owning a home. Some people aren't sold on the idea of one particular place to live in for the rest of their life, even though it has financial advantages. You know, I own a home and I've got a dining room table and I've got a uh, couch that I can own for five, ten years. But if I moved, I'd be like, sometimes when you move, things get a little ratty. Sometimes they don't fit into other spaces. So to me, some of my housing-related costs are smoothed into my budget. Now, I may need a new roof. I may need other repairs. Um, and that's a difference between owning and renting for sure. Renting can make budgeting a lot easier. Renting at a premium price seems like a pretty fair trade-off for some extra options that you get tied towards not having to improve things and being flexible to move around. Owning a home only really makes financial sense if you plan to stay in that home for five, six, seven years or more. A lot of people, you know, they don't realize, like, hey, my job's going to be, I'm going to be jumping around. My parents own a home. I should own a home. And they realize, then they don't, like, they take a job at Yahoo as an engineer, and then, like, Yahoo stock goes down, and they're like, oh, I'm going to jump to Facebook. And then Facebook, you know, it's kind of become bloated, and you have to learn how to play ping pong to work there. And if you don't play ping pong, um, the kids don't like you, and the kids don't like you. They complain to their bosses, and the next thing you know, you're showing the door, and, like, Okay, those are two very different places to live and very two different places to work. Um, and I think that should be factored into your idea on do you own a home or do you rent. Um, home prices in parts of the country are relatively cheap. Home prices in other areas of the country are out of control. Sometimes you, for out of control, it's a school district. Sometimes it's close to jobs. Um, 
sometimes it's how much land is available. You know, if you go to Columbia, South Carolina, you're going to get cheap housing, but you're also going to find that there's going to be cheap housing for a long period of time. I've owned a place in Raleigh, North Carolina for numerous years that was kind of break-even. I bought it a little bit high, for sure. But there's so much land there that developers will come in and make a whole new community. Um, so I bought slightly wrong. If you own a house and you have a family, you know your ch- children may take a lot of pride in that. But if you rent a house and you have a family, guess what? Your children can take a lot of pride in that. Because housing is kind of out of control in the Bay Area. I've got friends who've got kids who, uh, one of them, one of my friends, I won't say her name because I know she listens. Her name rhymes with smelly. Kelly. Um, They were living in a great house with a great yard and a great neighborhood. And the landlord said, you know, get out. I'm selling the house. Um, So she moved to another great house in a great neighborhood. But they're paying a premium. And her kids don't care. They're not going to, you know, 10, 15 years from now when they're 18, they're not going to go, Mom, I can't believe we lived in a rented house. Why did you do that to me? It's not going to happen. So when it comes to investing and it comes to buying up a home, I'd say rent until you're stable. Rent until you want to have babies. Because that can keep your finances, you know, you can focus on maxing out your 401k. If it's a lower cost, it's great. Now, some people are going to tell you, get into real estate as soon as you can, son, because that's where the money's made. They don't know what they're talking about. They do know what they're talking about, but it's a lot of BS. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. Think things through. Put some thoughts into your money and your investing and where you're going. I'm Rob Black. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. You know, ultimately, I think my goal on the show is to be entertaining maybe infotaining. Um, Sometimes I do it by showing you my own life. Sometimes I do it by talking about quote-unquote friends. Sometimes I talk about a lot of real-life scenarios, and sometimes they're not going to fit into you, and I get it. Um, We'll talk commodity prices. And that's not sexy. One of the fears in the market is as China slows down, how are they going to fight it? How did the United States fight their slowdown? 
you can study a little bit of history and maybe make some assumptions. No one really trusts the data that's coming out of China. It's just eerily too close to what's predicted. And a lot of people don't think they're financially savvy at moving from a manufacturing economy to a services economy. So it's something that we pay attention to because, again, what happened when the U.S. slowed down? We're the largest economy in the world. China's number two. What's happening when Europe slows down? I'm giving you some time to think this through. This is a quiz because I, I think we're going to come back to it. Past eight years, or better yet, to say since 2008 when the U.S. economy went into a, a, the quote-unquote Great Recession, what we did was we lowered the cost of money. Some people, that drives them friggin' fragging crazy. Like, how do you lower the cost of money? Well, you print more. Or you tell banks, hey, if you want money, we'll print you some at 0% or one quarter of 1%. There's people out there who hate the fact that countries can do this. So when the U.S. was hurting and we're printing money, printing money, printing money, guess what? The euro got stronger because they're financially responsible. They've had institutions around for 2,000 years. Ciao, I'm Italian. Ciao. I'm going to get on my Vespa and drive around the city with my funny leather shoes and say, Ciao. I'm going to tell women that I love them with all my passion to the moon and back. I'm going to cook them romantic dinners. And I'm going to make love to them all night long. And then they're not going to hear it from me tomorrow. Ciao. So they've been around forever. Haven't the Italians and Germans and French been around forever? Or is it me? Like King Arthur, he wasn't from like Africa, was he? Maybe. Definitely wasn't South American as far as I could tell any of the tales. So these countries had economies and some of them had serfs and kingdoms and such, but the United States is like, we're in financial trouble. We're going to lower the cost of money. And the euro got stronger because, like, we don't do that. We don't do that. Dollar sank. The dollar sank. The dollar sank. People are like, those silly Americans are just printing money. Right? Are you with me? Or are you against me? you got to choose a side here. This is a civil war. So flash forward a couple of years. And Europe hits their own financial crisis. And they go, we do not like you Americans. We are not going to lower our cost of money. Guess what? We're lowering our cost of money. There's, I think Jean-Claude Van Damme is in charge of the monetary policy out of Brussels. He's the muscles in Brussels, the financial muscles. And if you don't know, that's a joke. It's a joke. Humor, fail, 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 fail. So they start lowering their cost of money. What's worse is I hear that in the bedroom. That's horrible. It's a horrible thing to have on a soundboard in a bedroom. But that's my life.
Um, I've got a jar of Viagra next to the bed and nothing. Nothing. I eat it like candy. Nothing. The French eat antidepressants like candy. Um, but anyway, so Europe starts lowering the cost of money. And the dollar gets, eh, okay, we're going we're gonna to stabilize. The Americans, you're still lowering the cost of money, too. So the dollar says, I'm going to go sideways. So at, at some point in time, because Europe starts doing what America started doing, it's trying to stimulate their economy, they're lowering the borrowing costs by basically driving the cost of borrowing lower. Sometimes it's by quantitative easing where they're buying their own debt, which is just the craziest thing that you can talk about. It's like you. You know, if you want to spend more money, try this trick. Go use a credit card and max it out to $10,000. And then, and then get another credit card and max it out to $10,000. And then, and then get another credit card and max it out to $10,000. That's essentially what we did when we did quantitative easing. As a country, we just kept issuing credit cards to the country and said, spin, 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 spin. We did that in the early 2000s, and it created a housing bubble that crushed a lot of people and caused a lot of bankruptcies. We've done it again, and will the bubble, the credit borrowing bubble, will it burst? Will it be a a slow out of the air, out of the balloon, or, or will it be a fast pop? We don't know. But... I started this segment by talking about China, and we know they're slowing, and we don't trust the, the data that's coming out of them. And what will they do when things slow down? They'll do the same thing, I believe, that Europe did, lower the cost of money. They'll do the same thing the United States did, lower the cost of money. And that's not a win-win. In the end, the cost of money should go higher, and when it does, people are going to be a little freaked out because we're so used to Pavlovian, you know, Pavlov's dog, which I still find funny that a guy had a dog named Pavlov. You give the dog a bone, and knick-knack, patty-whack, give the dog a bone. Um, he keeps wanting bones. And then you give half the bone, he's like, hey, where's the other half of the bone? And if you don't give him the whole bone, he's, he barks at you. He's mad at you. He's angry. So China's slowing, and guess what they're going to do? They're going to lower interest rates. They're going to lower the cost of borrowing. They're going to buy their own debt. What will that do to the dollar? It'll make it stronger. That's one of the reasons why people freak out about Janet Yellen and the Federal Reserve. They want to make the dollar stronger and more attractive by giving a higher interest rate to it. China's going to do that for us. So we don't want to do it too hard, too fast, because China's going to print money, we know, for a considerable period of time. It'll help in the short term, but in the long term, it creates ramifications. A lot like the Federal Reserve wants to raise interest rates, but they can't because China's going to do it for us. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. 
Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Joining me now, Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Strategist with Briefing.com. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, Rob. I'm doing well. Thank you. I thought we'd do a little something different today and talk to you about what's your title and how did you get it and what do you actually do on a day-by-day basis? So let's start with the title and then get okay. into the nitty-gritties of it. Sure. Well, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm a little uh, cold here. So, um, no worries. Well, actually, uh, notwithstanding your, your lead in, my official title is actually Chief Market Analyst um, as opposed okay. to Chief Market Strategist. <clears throat> and I like strategist better. As a chief market analyst, um, you know what I do is I analyze the information that's coming in on a day-to-day basis uh, and try and make sense of it for uh, Briefing.com readers, um, many of whom are self-directed, and um, and you know and do it in relatable terms. Um, so um, the very you know layman's approach, uh, but I view things from more of a what's called a top-down perspective. So I'm looking at the, the broader economic picture uh, and making um, you know analytical assessments based on um, uh, objective assessments based on the data we see before us uh, and uh, tie it all up with a. Uh, a fundamental bow, if you will. I'm not a technical analyst. I look at things from a fundamental perspective. So earnings and interest rates and inflation, things like that, are important for me. Do you care about the press releases, like Apple will say, the car is going to be big, um, the future of technology is wireless, um, the Ubers are coming down the road and they're going to change the way FedEx and UPS does business. Are you kind of story-driven, or are you more data-driven on a, a, a blinder level, per se? Yeah, you know, <clears throat> announcements like that um, <clears throat> have more of a, um, a micro-focus. More, They're more company-specific oriented. That's not to say that they can't be disruptive uh, from a broader standpoint. Um, but uh, generally speaking, you know, I'm not going to get caught up too much in the weeds of those things. Um, they're interesting. Uh, they provide uh, oftentimes a lot of uh, daily trading opportunities within the stocks and the immediate competitors to those companies. Uh, but it takes more than just a, you know, a, a simple announcement like that, I think, to really um, get things interesting from a broader market standpoint, which is what I'm interested in. And uh, that's why incoming economic data uh, is is noteworthy to me. Uh, that's why earnings data in aggregate, you know, is important to me, and uh, and you know enables me to do the job of analyzing why the market is behaving the way that it's behaving and relating that to our readers. When it comes to Wall Street on a day by day basis, I tell people I don't care. I do this because I have to. It's a job, and I have to talk about Yahoo, and I have to talk about Apple, and I have to talk about earnings season. But to me, it's more of a quarter-to-quarter, year-over-year kind of story, and it's it's based on capitalism. I, I hide behind that, whereas I kind of like the fact that Americans, we come up with great ideas, we execute them, we sell them, we fire people when we have to. I kind of hide behind capitalism. That's my theme. 
Um, do you have a theme that you look at as far as, you know, trying to define yourself or, you know, a quick bar conversation or a conversation with an uncle or an aunt that explains your, your gig? Yeah. Well, one of the <clears throat> unique things about briefing.com uh, and our subscribers is that we we have a broad audience, right? So we have, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know, many self-directed individuals, and those self-directed individuals uh, range from, you know, the day trader, right, who's uh, basically trading by the minute almost <laughs> in some respects, uh, all the way down, you know, up to that very long-term oriented investor um, who, you know, as you noted earlier, may may not care one bit, and rightfully so, about the day-to-day movement of, uh, you know, what takes place on Wall Street, right? So for me, you know, in, the, in, in my um, position, um, I do have to be attuned uh, to uh, Wall Street, to developments on Wall Street that do happen day-to-day uh, and be able to communicate uh, you know, some intraday analysis of why the market is behaving the way it is behaving to help a certain category of our readers. But at the same time, I need to be objective enough and take a step back from all of that day-to-day volatility and assess those broader trends uh, and, and still make sense of them for, you know, more conservative-minded investors who have that long-term orientation. Uh, and and so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a balancing act uh, with respect to my specific job responsibilities as the chief market analyst for briefing.com. So, um, uh, but, you know, in terms of larger themes, um, again, coming back to earnings and uh, the, the, how the economic data is unfolding, those are certainly big picture themes that I think are, are going to be geared and suited more toward that, you know, investment-minded individual. Whereas uh, I might have to look at, uh, you know, an incoming economic release and, well, how did that compare today to the consensus estimate? Because there's going to be a certain contingent of our readers who are going to trade simply off, was that headline better than expected or worse than expected? Uh, and that's, uh, and you see those knee-jerk reactions, and I have to then try to make some sense of whether those knee-jerk reactions are valid or, or are likely to unwind uh, based on, you know, um, more than likely my uh, assessment of what's unfolding up from a broader picture. So the, I can listen to you all day. I'll be quite honest with you. I, I think you're a smart guy. You're insightful. And I don't idolize basketball players, but I idolize what you do. And I, I, I would love to sit and, you know, drink two beers and then maybe even ask for a third beer with you to get that, you know. <laughs> deep appreciation of your insight, what what advice would you give me over beer? and Or what advice would you give the average investor, uh, man on the street, per se? Right. Well, you know, the, the, the average investor, you know, I think that, you know, one piece of advice, uh, you know, if they really are going to categorize themselves as a, you know, quote, investor, um, is, is not to get caught up in these, um, you know, pockets of momentum. Um, you know, these these... Momentum trades, they can go on for a lot longer than people uh, expect them to, um, but um, but they can also force people into chasing things that they don't really want to chase uh, simply because they have a hard time sitting, you know, sitting on their hands, you know, if you will. Um, so 
for the average investor, I mean, I think you, you have to be paying attention to um, the underlying fundamental picture because it's that fundamental uh, structure that will will be the ultimate determinant determinant of whether these momentum-based moves uh, in an individual stock or in the broader market are ultimately sustainable. Um, and uh, you know, and that's what I would you know. Uh, try to drive home for for people over you know two or three beers as you say, um, just getting them focused on the idea that while the stock market can look like it's going gangbusters from one day to the next, uh, there's a lot of um, there's a lot more to that trading activity. Uh, but the the ultimate determinant of of where things are headed uh, lie in the trends we're seeing with respect to earnings and the economy. Uh, and that's where your focus should lie. How much do you care about presidential years? Um, who's going to win the election? How much does that play into a positive bias or maybe a neutral angle? I'm not going to go negative with it because I, I mm-hmm. don't think there's evidence that supports that. But how much do you care about the you know the the picture of the politics mixing in with Wall Street? Sure. Um, you know, you have to you have to care about it. Um, you know, based okay. on you know what the handicapping of who the likely candidate or the winning candidate might be, and then uh, and then trying to determine whether uh, Congress is going to tilt in that party's direction as well. Because if you have, say, you know, Republicans controlling both houses of Congress and a Republican president, you know, theoretically. Um, you should be getting, uh, you know, policies that come out that are, you know, uh, I'm not wanting to get too political here, but, you know, they're probably going to, like, you know, talk more about the need to uh, cut taxes, right, and and cut spending and uh, and things of like that, things like that. So you then have to assess, well, if that's going to be the case, you know, what areas might be most impacted by that. Um, so, um, so you have to care about it, um, not just from a market standpoint, but you should care about it anyway, as, as simply from being an, an American. You know, presidential politics and politics in general, while it's really messy uh, at times, um, is something we all need to be uh, engaged with, uh, because it is, you know, really the, the foundation of our country is that ability to choose who governs us. And for those leaders to come into office in a very peaceful manner, um, you might not like the policies, but uh, that's uh, you know a central tenet of what makes our country great is that we have a peaceful transition of power. Thanks very much. That's Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst, Briefing.com. I start every morning with his page one. I think he's very insightful. I would love to have more off-the-cuff conversations with him similar to this. We all can benefit from looking at the long term and looking at people who are very good at what they do. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. I'm speaking with Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. You can find him at Briefing.com.
listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Well, we spent a long time getting here through the fear. It was too dark to see. If you answer honestly, I'm sorry that it's not quite how you thought it would be. It's always the I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Please don't be shy. The only way you're going to get to where you want to get financially is by asking a lot of questions um, and getting to know people. I try to do the best for you on that level. Um, I seriously, you know, my goal is to get you focused and drag you kicking and screaming into some sort of, I'm not going to say revolution, but if I can get you focused on getting to retirement, I I love that. Um, There's an 1,800 a month co-living space for 19 roommates that just opened in Brooklyn. People are willing to do this. For the low price of $1,800 a month, you can live with 18 roommates. Um, It's common living. A new company that aims to provide flexible, user-friendly housing opened its first fully furnished property uh, recently. The building is, you know, nice. It's a curated living space, which means, you know, you don't have to do much. It's got a private rooftop garden. It's got a weekly cleaning service. It's got high-speed Wi-Fi. Duh. It's got a lot of exposed brick. Uh, The door locks you can open with your Apple Watch or with an Apple iPad or with a phone. So the idea is to incubate a strong, tight-knit community of members who share living spaces, kitchens, and bathrooms. Um, It's a millennial commune. I would never have predicted that. 10, 15 years ago, if you were to tell me that's a possibility, I would have gone, no way. Let's go to a phone call. Let's see who we have out there. Hello? Hello, Rob. How are you? Pretty good, thank you. What's up? I make a comment. I I enjoy the fact that you have a macro look at the economy. I think that's one of your real strong points. And secondly, I'd like to ask you about the fact that we have El Nino coming, but uh, we've had so much problem with the drought. What's your uh, take on investing in drought-resistant plants and nurseries? Sure, and thanks for the call. Um, California's got a drought, and there's no doubt that it's a major problem. I would be careful on that story, of investing in that story. I'm not saying don't do it. Um, you're talking about you know millions, hundreds of millions of dollars being allocated by the federal government to help and you know, billion-dollar solutions. Um, When I got to California 14 years ago, keep in mind there was a drought in the 90s and the 80s that were pretty significant. Um, My neighbor constantly tells me of the time that his dad and he would take, you know, they'd turn on the water in the shower. I guess they both weren't in there at the same time. Turn on the water in the shower, get wet, turn it off, lather up, get the hair done, turn on the water again, rinse off, and they, they basically created like a one-minute shower. Um, I think that's kind of cool. Now, when you have a hydrological cycle as it is, it can end at any point. El Nino or no, I don't know. I'm not smart enough 
this year's El Nino is going to go really south and crush L.A. So maybe the investment isn't um, in, you know, the transportation, the pumping, the conserving. Maybe the, in pump, maybe the investment is in the insurance companies that are going to get, you know, hit from mudslides and such. And when, see, when a disaster hits, companies will raise their rates. And I've never seen an insurance company say, let's, let's lower those rates. If you take a look at the water utilities, they're promoting conservation. And if they're successful, guess what? Their revenue suffers. It's kind of a process known as decoupling. You know, can they make up for lost revenues with surcharges? Um, drought's not good for the, the utilities. So you start going with, like, some of these thoughts, like San Jose California has water services in American States Water. Those are the three based California water companies. American Water Works is based in Philadelphia, but has operations in California. So the California Public Utilities Commission will probably raise rates for a third year. So when the rain does come and you start going back to more water, they're probably going to have extra money. So do you want to go to the utilities and be conservative? Or do you want to go with, you know, a company that does the pumping? There's domestic ETFs tied towards um, water. There's international ETFs um, tied towards water. Uh, and these are all tied towards, you know, quote-unquote, a spending boom that's coming. Um, I would take a look at them. I would not go aggressively after them. PowerShare's water resources, ticker symbol PHO. Um, the fund, you know, is going totally after the water utility segment in the U.S., companies that perform treatments on water supplies, PHO. Um, there's the Guggenheim S&P Global Water Fund, ticker symbol CGW. Um, they've got assets of $258 million. They charge 70 basis points, which isn't bad. CGW, uh, American stocks are only about 40%. So if you're thinking about an international water issue, there's the PowerShares Global Water Portfolio, PIO, um, not one that I recommend. I'd go with one of the first two, whether you're thinking U.S. CGW, I'm sorry, U.S. PHO, International Water Issues, CGW. Now, keep in mind, the first month, the first year that I came to California 14 years ago, um, it rained for 42 out of 45 days. And I would have thought that California, Northern California, was just a rainy, messy, sloppy Seattle. Like, I hated it. So droughts come, they will go. Hopefully, I don't know what I'm talking about here. I really don't when it comes to weather. But with that being said, those are your options. PHO, CGW. And you can take a look at those ETFs and take a look at the holdings and maybe start some more research there. I'm Rob Black. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.